0: Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we are talking with CEOs and business owners about their stories and journey to building their business. And because we know that achieving success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we're taking some time to recognize the folks who helped us to excel. I'm excited to have a CEO from Indiana with us today. My guest loves swing dancing and has performed a few times. In her downtime, she enjoys hiking and gardening, and she also raises monarch butterflies. So we'll want to learn a little bit more about that. That's very interesting. And she's most proud of her ability to connect with others and bring teams together to make things happen that um, hasn't happened before. And I'm sure we'll learn a little bit more about that as well. It's my pleasure to welcome Maria to the show today. Hello, Maria.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me on today, Tim.
0: Absolutely. Well, hey, let's start with having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little of your personal story, like where you were born and live and about your family and, and especially about those butterflies.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Um... I grew up or I was born in Claypool, Indiana, which is up in northern Indiana. And then my family moved to the Yorktown Muncie area when I was about six or seven. And uh, grew up there, went to Yorktown High School, graduated a year early from high school and lived in Germany. I won a scholarship to go as an exchange student there. And came back and have lived in the Carmel area ever since. And Uh, So I live near kind of the Carmel High School area, really nice Monon walking trails, which I love to go walking. And I love the outdoors, hiking. Um, And as you mentioned, the monarch butterflies actually in March. So if you know much about the migration of the monarch butterfly, um, it's really fascinating, but they overwinter in Mexico. And so in March, I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to see the overwintering site. So I flew to Mexico City and then took a car ride three hours into the mountains and then stayed at this little um, uh, B&B and then took uh, another like two-hour car ride to the sanctuary, then a horseback ride up the mountain, and then another hike past the horseback ride and found the trees where the uh, monarch butterflies are. And it's literally like another world experience because you're just you're looking and you're seeing thousands and thousands of butterflies and when they get to a certain temperature the light hits them and they do they call it a butterfly explosion and so like they'll be all clustered together and there's just this it looks almost like a beehive in the tree and it's just this huge cluster of monarch butterflies and then they just explode and then you just see all the butterflies flying. Oh, everywhere wow. so I just cried the whole time you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now but, you raise them yourself is that right yeah.
1: mm-hmm. I've been doing that for a few years I was on a walk and I um, saw the sun caught something in the weeds and I saw it and I walked over and it was this little jade green um, like oval kind of shape with these gold dots on it and I thought, oh my gosh, there's like jewelry. What is
2: this? <laughs>
1: started researching it. It was the chrysalis of a monarch butterfly. I've never seen anything more beautiful in my life. And um, I was just fascinated. So then I was like, I have to learn everything about this and wow, I plant milkweed and I, I was going to-, to ask that. I grew up in the
0: country and that's, that was the thing. We collected them right in a jar and had to pick the milkweed for them. So yeah, yep, you yep. grow milkweed. All right. <laughs>
1: and now I like, there's a, there's an organization called Monarch Watch where you can order tags. And so you can record the num the number on the tag and then put the tag on the butterfly before you release it. And then they go to these sanctuaries in Mexico and then the ones after they mate, they Once some of them die, and then the next generation flies out. Mm -hmm. So, um, there, people will gather them to try to 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 track where the tags were put on and see where the butterflies came from. I've not had one of my tagged butterflies found yet that I know of. But (laughs) I, I, I'm waiting for that day. Yes,
0: very (laughs) cool. Wow, that is awesome. Well, hey, Maria, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today?
1: Yes. so I was trying to think again I I love nature and animals I always have and so I remember the story of we were by the lake and someone had like a a gallon bucket and they were putting like fish and different things in it and someone got a snapping turtle and had put it in the bucket and I don't I must have been five or so and I the story, I don't remember it, but the story is that I went over to the bucket and I saw the turtle and I picked the turtle up and I kissed it oh. and the snapping turtle bit <laughs> <picked> my lip. <laughs> so I, I, that's, that's the story that I could think of. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. You you probably don't remember it because it was so traumatic that you just traumatic. blocked it out of your mind. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I know. I'm like, I should look and see if I have a scar. I never have that, <laughs> I don't think I do. Uh,
0: so tell us how the business came about. And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run a business?
1: Yeah, so, the Carmel Chris Kendall Mart was the brainchild actually of Mayor Jim Brainerd. And he had been over to Germany in 2016 and in the winter and saw these Chris Kendall Marts in the different cities he visited. So, he came back from that experience and was like, We're bringing this to Carmel. And I was uh, in banking at the time and went to a networking event. And um, at that networking event, I heard him speak about this vision. And having lived in Germany, celebrated my first Christmas in Germany with my host family there, because my family of origin here in the United States didn't celebrate Christmas. Um, I had a very special place in my heart uh, for Christmas um, celebrated in the German way. And so I was like, oh, I need to get involved with this. So after that meeting, I went up to Mayor Brainerd and shared with him about how I speak German and love German Christmas and would love to help in any way. And um, so I started volunteering just on a committee to bring the Carmel Krisken to Carmel. And uh, after about three or four months, I got a call from him where he asked me to meet with him. And he shared with me that he wanted to hire me as the CEO. And he called he he coined the uh, other title I have, which is Market Master, which I think is really a fun <laughs> title. <laughs> so CEO and Market Master. Um, and so, yeah, he offered me the opportunity to launch this event for the city. And honestly, I had zero confidence at that time <laughs> that I could do it because <laughs> I was like, I've never done anything like this in my yeah. life. <laughs> Um, but it really, a lot of his seeing something in me that I couldn't see quite yet was really what sparked that initial confidence that I could maybe do this, especially with that kind of support um, from someone who believes in you. And so, I really do credit a lot of that initial confidence to him and just his being able to pursue me in this role and say, you really can do this. And I see it. I see your passion for this. And um, yeah.
0: So I, I, you've shared this with me offline, but just tell folks a little bit of the backstory of you mentioned already that you, you went on exchange to Germany, but um, just give a little bit more insight on the, your discovery of, of Christmas in Germany and how that has, has kind of driven you um, to, to create this event in Carmel.
1: Yeah. So when I was an exchange student in Germany, it was 2005 to 2006, which dates me a little bit, but um, I lived there with a host family and they, uh, I, I, as I said, we didn't, I, my family of origin here in the U S didn't celebrate holidays and so when I was there my host family was very respectful of that and said you don't have to celebrate with us but if you'd like to we welcome we welcome that and I said yeah while I'm here I really want to experience every part of the culture including the holidays and it was really fascinating and I didn't know any of this until I lived there but many of our what you would think of American Christmas traditions actually Uh, were originally german Hmm. and so uh like the christmas tree the first christmas trees were popularized in germany christmas ornaments in lausche germany it's where the mouth blown hand painted glass ornaments started and uh it's interesting because if you go really nerdy in the history queen victoria who um married prince albert In England. So Prince Albert was German Hmm. and he brought the Christmas tree to the palace in England. And there is a really famous uh, uh, drawing of Prince Albert and Queen Victoria in front of a Christmas tree with the candles on it. And that was one of the things that popularized the Christmas tree. Um, It wasn't until that German heritage was brought into England. So it's just, there's lots of fun. Very cool.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us more about. (laughs) Um, for those who aren't familiar with the organization, tell us, um, again, the name, what you guys do, how you make a difference.
1: Yeah. So the name of the organization is Carmel Christ Kindle Macht. And I always say, say it like, Chris, the name of a guy. And then uh, Kendall, like the reader. So Chris, Kendall. And then... Um, uh, with a t sorry chris with a t chris and then t and then kendall like the reader and then market without the e so mark <laughs> chris kendall marked and these are german holiday festivals that have been around since very very long time in germany they originated there and it they kind of started like winter farmers markets in the town square where people could come and exchange meat for different wood crafts that people had carved out for the holidays you know the butchers trading with the the wood carver and you know this type of thing then eventually little stands were built and then it's become this huge thing phenomenon all over europe and now in the united states and canada as well and even in asia I have a friend that went to Japan, and she came out of a train station. and there was a very traditional German Chris Mart oh wow, in Japan with the the later and dirndls and everything. And she was <laughs> sending me pictures. She's like, my mind is blown right now. Um but anyway, so they they're they're all over the world now. And it really when you come to a Chris a traditional Chris you have this feeling there's a word in german called gemütlichkeit which means just like comfy cozy yeah. and it kind of makes you feel like the old world like things have slowed down there's the smell of the sausages there's a spice mold wine called glühwein that you drink um, roasted nuts um, just hand, handmade artisan high quality products that you can one-of-a-kind things you can get as gifts It's really just we have ice skating um it really just feels a lot of people will say like a hallmark movie (laughs) um as a modern reference so that's kind of that's what we do and it's it it's about six weeks long in the heart of carmel the one that i run and um and um we work. I, I work all year round going to Germany, finding artisans to come and do demonstrations, wood carving, making product on site. Uh, we have bands on the stage, Alporn's coming. Um, like if you've seen the Ricola commercial, the <laughs> Ricola, yeah. you know, those are alporns. So we have Alporn <laughs> players come, all kinds of different um, entertainment dancers. Uh, we have an area for crafting for the kids it's just on and on and on puppet <laughs> shows.
0: <laughs> well, I have to say having um, gone to it this past season that I think we tried every single sausage that they offer. Um, and uh, w- w- if it wasn't for the fact that our stomachs were blowing up, we would have went <laughs> back again because the, the the food is delicious. <laughs> oh, I'm so
1: glad you had a good experience. Did you try the curry first, the one with the sauce on it?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it Our good? It's good. Yes. And we did the nuts as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Good. There's just so many options. It's wonderful. So, hey, so Maria, bad. share a story so. where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think you could and the impact that that person had on you.
1: I think um, I'll, I think the first person that really had that impact on me would, be, there would be two people, well, there'd be two people around the scholarship time, honestly. One was my German teacher, Frau Kelly, um, who told me about the Congress-Bundestag exchange scholarship, and the other one was a lady named Lisa, is a lady named Lisa Ferguson, and Lisa uh, ran a small Bible study in her home, and through an invitation of someone at school, I ended up going to that. And, um, she was, she is to this day, a mother like figure for me, my mom has passed. Mm. So she's someone that has stepped in to to really uh, be there in that role for me. And when I was looking at, um, applying for this scholarship, I didn't really know where to start. And she was there by my side. She helped edit this, you know, this, the, um, the essays that I had to write mm-hmm. and I had to do in-person interviews. So she sat down with me and we went mock interviewed. Um, when I came back from Germany and I was applying for jobs again with my resume, she was one that was right there by my side, working with me on those things. Another, a good, good friend of mine who's a little older than me. And at that time, at that age, that the age gap was a lot more made a lot more difference. But uh, Alyssa Smith is her name, and she uh, let me borrow an, a suit to wear to my first bank interview because <laughs> I didn't own my own suit, you know. And just the those three people: Frau Kelly, Lisa, um, her husband Dave, and Alyssa all are people that really said, Marie, you can do this. Mm. You can you can launch out into the world and." explore things beyond just what you've known in New Yorktown Indiana and so um, very grateful for all of them
0: well, wonderful that what an amazing um, group of people who who have uh, all been part of now you running uh, this market in in Carmel so it's it's interesting how something so many years ago has led to where you are today so tell us um, what's your biggest learning as a, a CEO oh
1: there are so many learning curves in this role, and I think um, there's a lot of talk about like that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. these days, and, and I think that has been something I've really struggled with is like, yeah, just really owning that I am in the right role, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I'm not, um, I'm not faking anything. It's just authentic and it is what it is, and just allowing myself to accept um, the things that I don't know, the things I'm still learning, and the things that I need to grow into, and then the, and also accept that I do know a lot of things, and I do have a lot of skill sets that I'm bringing to the table, yeah. and not to um, minimize those, mm-hmm. uh, so that those are some of the things that I have to work on and continue to grow in. Another big one is delegation. Mm. Because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it is so hard as a, a CEO to do everything is impossible. Yes. And so really learning to trust my team, to lean on my team, to um to, to trust them to set boundaries where like I'm always afraid like I'm putting too much yes. on my yes. team. And yes. so I'm like, no, they will tell me and we can work yes. it out. A bit. But I've got to <laughs> trust to delegate.
0: Um that's a big yeah. one. I hear that a lot in terms of yeah. um two different sides of that coin is one folks are like well nobody can do the job as well as me, right, or be as efficient as me or as detailed as me. So it's just easier for me to do it myself. Now the problem with that is right there's only 24 hours in a day and we're going to hit capacity and we can't you know we just then can't do as many things if we don't learn to delegate the other you mentioned too is the fear of well, what if i overload them well i yeah. liked what you said we, the way we get beyond that is we just ask people in you know, a <laughs> weekly a weekly check in of hey how how are you doing All right, right are you at capacity or not and and more yeah. times than not, we actually hear that they're not at capacity, right? And they want to take exactly. on more because they want to prove themselves or they want to make more of a difference. It's like, oh my goodness, if I had have asked that uh, six months ago, <laughs> I, a, I could have got more off my plate. Okay, I, exactly. I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. It's so hard. I think also taking the time. To articulate clearly mm-hmm. the expectations, yes. it feels easier just to do it yourself yes. than to sit, sit down and take the time to really think through, well, yes. how do I want this done? You know, yes.
0: Yes. there's a, a really cool tool. It's called Loom, but it's basically it, it oh, yes. video, right? Whatever you're doing on your computer. So, what I, I share with clients is, you know you you have to do it anyway so just record yourself doing it and now you've got a training video right just talk through the steps as you're recording it and now you've got something to be able to hand off and and have someone else do it for you
1: a friend of mine, actually Alyssa Smith, that I just mentioned a minute ago, she and I were chatting, and she started using Loom recently and her business. And she said it's been a, a game changer for her. So that's two times. I better check it out. <laughs> now you that mentioned, I've heard it
0: um, imposter syndrome as well. And um I, I've probably spoken with, you know, at least a thousand business owners and leaders. and and everybody has some version of imposter syndrome. and And here's the thing I would share with everyone listening is, um, is we don't have it all figured out. None of us do, right? And so we're just doing the best that we can with the knowledge that we have and continuing to grow and develop. So I like what you said, right? Just embrace it, understand, right, that um we're a work in process and that's okay because um nobody nobody has it figured out despite what it might appear on social media. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Oh yes. Yeah no it's true no one has it figured out and the more you network and the more you get to know people you realize that like everybody is still growing and learning and yeah. it's i think we are our harshest critics yes we are indeed. our own yes, harshest indeed. critics so. the
0: the messages that we play around in our head that you know the self limiting beliefs right. Yep. be our worst enemy because it keeps talking us out of the things that we're more than capable of doing
1: I be, uh, there's a book I recently been listening to on Spotify. I, I bought the book on Spotify and been listening to it. It's called The Big Leap. Um, I don't remember the author's name. Gay Hendricks. Gay Hendricks is the name. And it's all about that. I, these ideas. And um, uh, like he calls it the upper limit problem. Mm. And he refers to basically there are different uh, things that we... As survival mechanisms when we start to feel too good (laughs) we put things in place to try to like make sure we're safe essentially yes and so it's this whole very interesting concept of like okay so what are my upper limit problems and how can I release those so that I can take myself to the next level and he talks about um he talks about finding your zone of genius Ah. A lot of people have a zone of competence and then they have a, uh, I don't know if I said that word right, competence. Competence, Uh, And then the second one he was talking about, well, there's incompetence and then competence and then um, excellence. Like there's a zone of like where you excel and you're really good at it, but then there's the zone of genius, which Mm -hmm. is where flow is and where, you know, you're really like, it doesn't feel like work. Because sure. it's just, you know, yeah. water off a duck's back, so to speak. And so, yeah, he's he talks a lot about when we hit those upper limit problems and we can break through those, then we can get to that, that zone of genius, as he calls it. I love so, it. I've been really, really enjoying
0: that book. And what was the name of it again?
1: Um, the big leap.
0: Okay, wonderful. Got a
1: picture of a fishbowl with like a little fish jumping into
0: the bigger <laughs> fishbowl. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Maria, we know that business success doesn't um, happen in isolation. So tell us uh, about what one of your biggest challenges um, as a CEO and and maybe a, a fellow CEO or a business owner who came alongside you and helped you through that challenge.
1: There have been so many examples of this and I have to go back to uh, networking and mentors for each of these. Um, Also board members and different advisors. Uh, One person that I've reached out to numerous times would be Dave Ferguson. He works at Ball State University and um, is just someone that I rely on. Uh, He's a dean. Uh, over there I, I, I've relied on many times where how do I say this there are sticky situations uh, interpersonally that can come up sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, in uh, business as we all know and especially with the Carmel Chris Kendall Mart I'm working in a organization that's a not-for-profit, but it's very tied to the city. Mm -hmm. It's really tied to the community. And there are a lot of very invested people who care about the community and the city and want to see this event successful. And so there are a lot of different ways that people want to accomplish that same goal. And so navigating that can sometimes be challenging. (laughs) And
0: <laughs> that, that's so, a very political way to say there are lots of people who have different opinions and 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 feel like their opinion is the most important. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no, but yes, and so and I think all of it's very well intended. Yes, it's just trying to navigate that, and and I think um, Dave has been someone who has given me a lot of wisdom over how to read people and how to see the heart instead of getting frustrated and getting angry or defensive as I sometimes want to be of my work or my whatever, you know, and to be able to step back and go, okay, first of all, none of this is really mine, right? Like, this is all bigger than me. This doesn't define who I am, my identity. So let's. Let go of the ego. <laughs> yeah. Take a deep breath and all day. <laughs> <So, laughs> and, so, and then you talk through it and you go, oh yeah, this is not about me, is it? No, this isn't really about me. This really isn't about the Chris Kindlemart. This is about da-da-da-da-da. Sure. So how do we gracefully uh set set step into those things and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know get those goals met. Yeah. and the those needs of that person met um and I love not that
0: insight there. of it's not about me that's that's <laughs> a hard thing for us to to separate from right because we put so much time and energy into our you know into our roles into our careers that to be able to say okay yep yeah, this isn't how who I am and how I'm defined can be a very big challenge
1: it really is especially like you said when you've put for me 6 years um Of my life into this and I really put my heart into it and build it you know I call it my baby (laughs) (laughs) you know and so it feels feels very personal a lot of the time but most of the time it's not personal it really isn't and it's it's um yeah, being able to separate that. So I think Dave, Rebecca Simon's another one I always love to share about. She's someone that I call on when I have a contract review or, or like for myself and um, just, just business negotiating and business sense. She's someone who I have a lot of respect for her, her business acumen. And banking contacts over the years um friends at the Indy chamber uh, tony neely is one that i have re- reached out to on different um things and then cha- other challenges that i've faced just like getting solutions for different random things it's been yeah. so fun to be able to call on my bni friends yeah. from business networking international um michael Salimi is one where i had needed some promotional products and i need like paper bags with the chris condom logo and it was like i just needed someone to handle that for me and just to being able to call on him it's not like it doesn't sound like a big challenge but just to have trusted people to take care of different aspects of it
2: for sure
1: to, to not have to worry about you know Yeah, just to just to be able to hand things off with trust because of the relationships built over time.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. If I asked you to pick three people in your uh, in your journey uh, of of running this business that are um, that you're most grateful for them helping you uh, with the growth of the business, who are those three people and how they help you?
1: I think uh, Mayor Brainerd Mm -hmm. (laughs) would be one. Because he's always been, um, we haven't always agreed (laughs) on everything, (laughs) but he's always been in my corner and in the end, you know, helped get things done when there were obstacles in the way. So, and always, I feel like as I always had faith in me Mm. um, that I could do this job and do it well. Mm. Um, And he's given me a lot of responsibility and um, trust, which has given me a lot of confidence So Mary Brainerd for sure, Um, Lisa, as I mentioned, she's someone who has mentored me through this process um, and her husband, Dave Ferguson, um, I think I uh, Alyssa Smith as well, um, and Rebecca um, on my team. There are so many team members um, along the way who have, Stepped in in different areas. Um, at the moment, Michael Namias is one on our operations side who has really just um, has taken over so many projects in that delegation process <laughs> and has excelled so well. Like I really can just sit back and trust him with so much of the work. Now it's been really um, an honor to work with him. Um, Hannah Kiefer is another uh, one on the marketing side who has been such, I've been so grateful um, for her ability to market the market <laughs> and really get the news out about it and help with the growth that we've had. Um, and then the, the other business owners, um, I would say the vendors at the market, the ones running the booths that mm. have put their trust in me Um, Joe Burns is a guy who lives in Wisconsin who owns a, um, he makes, uh, a, 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 I want to say it in German, Käserei, which is a cheesery, which doesn't translate, uh, but he, he makes cheese. What's that in English? It's not a dairy, it's a, i don't know what do i you like call cheesery
0: actually let's just rebrand it as that <laughs> oh yes my
1: gosh. My brain. <laughs> i can only think of the german word um that's hilarious well anyway joe he, he runs the raclette stand if you've ever been to the market mm-hmm. where you scrape the cheese over the bread and in year one 2017 i reached out to him because i'd seen his product at other chris come in chicago and new york and i asked if he would come visit and he came visited me here in Carmel. We went around the Carmel's farmer farmer's market, talked through everything. And he really took a leap of faith to come and have a second booth here or third booth here in Carmel. And, um, has he's then built a special grill for the sausages and took over the sausage booth. And he's now doing some other special things that will be coming out this year. And he's just a business owner that also I can reach out to and ask questions and, you know, just see what he's experienced other markets across the United States and see what best practices are. And, you know, just to have his advice and counsel has been really helpful throughout the years.
0: Very cool. As you think about the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face in reaching your goals and who are the types of people you're going to need to overcome those?
1: So I think given where our location is, I think one of our biggest issues is space constraints. Mm. Um, There's only so much growth when you have that footprint. And so then getting strategic and, um, like, do we make smaller huts? Do, you know, just those types of things. So one of my former BNI uh, colleagues, um, Paul Ewer from Quantum Architecture,
2: yeah.
1: is one that I've reached out to recently. And I said, hey, we need to start doing some three to five year mapping out of this space and looking at where could we put in new electrical what if we close down there you know just all these like brainstorming and looking at what are our options for growth in the next five years so really yeah just reaching out to some of those people um politically i think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges too because we do have such a partnership with the city Mm -hmm. we're getting ready to get a new mayor there's an election um, coming up here in November. And Miles Nelson or Sue uh one of those will be the new mayor. And so partnering with them mm-hmm. to build relationship and build a um, plan for the future that works with their vision and the market's vision um, for this event, it's going to be something that I'll just need to work through with the, the new uh, incoming mayor at that time. Um, and keeping things interesting and keeping it new, keeping it fresh. Like we don't want the market to be boring. Yeah. And so I am I have 10 ideas of different things I want to bring over from Germany. Um, there's something called Fordsombola, which is where you have this giant sugar cube, like pour rum over it, and then you light it on fire and then the, it like drips into the glue vine below and then you serve it. And it's like this whole thing. And it's like a show. And <laughs> I've got other... Well, other products that I'm super interested in adding to the market, um, Baumkuchen and other things, but it will, um, you know, right now we only have a beer and wine license. So how do we get a temporary hard alcohol permit, mm-hmm. you know, and just right. these different things for growth and that I'll need lots of advisors in um, there people who are experts in their field on those different areas. And yeah. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Hey, last question here, Maria. Um, Jim Rohn, an amazing business guru, says that we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So as you think about that quote, what advice would you have for CEOs or business owners who are trying to do it on their own and and think that they shouldn't ask for help?
1: Yeah, given that quote, I feel like what my mind immediately thought was, well, then you'll be stuck because the five people you're surrounding yourself is the one you, and you can't learn really so well from yourself many times. You need that outside Mm -hmm. input. So I feel like there's a lot of stagnation and lack of growth when you don't have those people surrounding you to help you grow. And so I would, I would just say if you don't want to be stuck and you truly do want to grow and advance and learn, then don't, don't do it. Don't do it alone.
2: <laughs> Surround
1: yourself. There's, there's no one that can, that, that can do it well alone and succeed and really get to that, like using Gay Hendrick's, um word, you know, zone of genius or really breaking through those um, those upper limit things where we hit our threshold and breaking through to that next level. We need those people around us to encourage us, to guide us and to, um, yeah, just give us wisdom along the way.
0: Well, I, some of the things. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I don't want to ask because I don't want to bother people. Now, it sounds like mm-hmm. you've had tons of people helping you. So what would you say <laughs> to those people who are concerned about that? Well, folks are too busy to help me.
1: Yeah, I think in my experience, when I've been on the other end, where there have been people who have reached out to me for help. I have someone right now that's starting trying to start a new festival. Mm. And uh, a few years ago, a lady in Peru, Indiana, reached out and said, you know, she wanted to start a festival and just wanted to ask me some advice and help in navigating all the things you navigate with that. And I felt honored. Mm. I felt, um, like it was a privilege to be able to walk alongside someone else in their journey and to share the tidbits of that might be encouraging or helpful um, that I've learned over the way. And it made me feel like there was more purpose in the struggles sometimes that I've gone through <laughs> yes. so that I could like, oh, you know, there's I could help someone else. There was purpose in me learning that.
0: that. Yeah. Oh, I love that thought. It makes it all worth it, kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think if you find, again, not a forced relationship where you're like trying to make something happen in a mentorship that's just like not authentic, but finding those authentic connections, it it just proves to be an honor both ways, mm. I feel like, where you feel honored that they're spending time with you and they feel honored to have someone to share their wisdom and their guidance with and and someone who's actually going to listen and walk and through, yeah. you know, like take yeah. action on it. So I just don't, I think that that's kind of in, in our head, you mm. know, that thought of being a burden.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think for me, many times when that message has popped up, it's tied to my imposter syndrome kind of thing. Like they're going to find out how much I don't know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or, and, and it's yes. like... I just, that's where you just have to let go of the ego.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I love that advice. Um, it sounds like you've been blessed with some pretty incredible people that have helped you on your journey. If they were all on the show here today, Maria, what would you want to say to them? Oh my gosh. You're gonna make me cry. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, just thank you for seeing in me what I couldn't see in myself and encouraging me along the way and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I wouldn't be where I am today without each and every one of them.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show, Maria.
1: Yes, thank you, Tim, and sorry for crying. <laughs> no, I love it.
0: I, I mean I I throw that question in at the end um un you know un un without people being prepared because I like the emotion, right? It's it's authentic and And the people that are watching are going to appreciate how much um, you appreciate them. So thank you so much for for giving that uh, shout out to everyone and and um, and and thanking them in, in a true, authentic way. So thank you for being real.
1: Anytime. Thanks so much for having me on and this opportunity.
0: You are very welcome. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread this movement by liking the show and posting it about on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and we'll see you all next time. Take care.